Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to the Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. All-star game in the Bucks, Seattle. Good job, Seattle. Excellent job. Elias Diaz, excellent job. 32-year-old, first-time All-Star, gets the MVP National League win. But a huge story continues in Major League Baseball, and that, of course, is Shohei Itani. Shohei Itani was the be-all, end-all when it came to everyone focusing on every step that he took, every move that he made, every time anyone got a glimpse of him, whether it was the players, whether it was the fans, whatever it was, everyone understands that this guy is a transcendent player, and he is he is only, the conversation is only going to get bigger with him. You know why? Because... Every single team wants him. And if you don't think every team wants him, then you weren't around the All-Star festivities. Whether it was the crowd, whether it was the teammates, the All-Star teammates, whether it was anyone around there, everyone wanted to know what was going to happen with Shohei Itani. And if you want an example of it, well, just listen to the crowd. Listen to the Seattle crowd chanting, come to Seattle. Swing and a miss. One ball and two strikes. They're chanting, come to Seattle. Do you guys want to start your own chant to show, hey? That would be tampering. That would be tampering. <laughs> do I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> but if he wants to come, yeah. it's more than one. I'm going to go with all 30 teams. Of course, that was Boogie Betts and Freddie Freeman mic'd up at the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers, everybody... Uh, at least thanks that they're going to make a run for, but so are a bunch of other teams. And people are positioning themselves as well as they possibly can. Kenley Jansen was caught in the outfield talking to Shohei Itani. Even the Red Sox Twitter account surfaced these pictures of those two talking, which immediately made Japanese media run up to Kenley Jansen after the game to ask him about this. It was a no-brainer. Of course they're going to ask him about it. They're not going to ask Kenley Jansen. They weren't running up to Kenley Jansen to ask him about his one batter appearance. No. It was, what were you saying to Shohei Itani? Here's a little bit of what Kenley said. 
I know you just mentioned why you're not surprised that Otani would get a chance like that, but what was your reaction when you heard them? Um, it's, it's not a surprise. I'm, I'm pretty sure when you go to Dodger Stadium, they're going to do the same thing. When you go to Yankee Stadium, they're going to do the same thing. When you come to Boston, they're probably going to do the same thing. You know, so he's like I say, he's an all-time great. So um, everybody probably wants him on his team. So Otani is just, you know, a piece of what we're going to be talking about when it comes to the trade deadline, when it comes to uh, transactions, when it comes to how teams are going to look once August rolls around. Trade deadline season is upon us. And through all the stuff that we could have talked about in the all-star festivities, the all-star game, I wanted to go around and ask people about the trade deadline because I think that we are turning the page now. The All-Star Game's done. We are heading toward trade deadline season. Yep, it's time to dig in. Who's going to be buyers? Who's going to be sellers? What guys are going to be dealt? And so I wanted to go around and talk to a bunch of guys, all who have gone through trade deadlines in different manners, in different respects, in different ways, and ask them their perspective because I've never been a major league baseball player involved in the trade deadline, whether it's being traded, whether it's being on a team that's getting a guy, whether it's being part of the rumors, but the guys that I talk to have. So so the guys that I talk to, Kenley Jansen, Raul Banyas, Nathan Avaldi, Marcus Simeon, Whit Merrifield, Sonny Gray, Sean Murphy, Josh Hader, and finally, J.D. Martinez. We talked to all of these guys, and all of them have very, very unique stories when it comes to trade deadline and valuable perspective because, like I said, it's trade deadline season. We're going to start with Kenley because you just heard from Kenley, so why don't we just keep this going? He has been on a team that has always gotten guys. He's on all those Dodgers teams. They just traded for guys, traded for guys, traded for guys. Really never on a seller. And now, even with the Braves last year, not obviously a seller, more of a buyer. Now he's with the Red Sox. And he's begging and pleading and saying, hey, let's be buyers. Let's show the front office that we can be buyers and openly lobbying for the Red Sox to be buyers. So Kenley is uh, is always a good guy to have. We have him on a bunch already. But we feel like if we're going to do this, he's, he's the perfect guy to kick things off. So here's Kenley Jansen talking about the trade deadline. So I've been asking guys what it means to get somebody at the trade deadline. You've got guys at the trade deadline before? Yeah, for for sure. Yeah, how, how much of a boost is that? It's definitely a boost to your whole team. You know, like we're all playing very well right now. And well, the, this last month we've been playing really good baseball. And I think whenever you do something like that, it's just definitely going to put um, more excitement and energy. You will see the team will probably lift up from it. Have you ever been on a team where it really feels like, okay, we're almost there, we're almost there, just give us a little something? Because usually, you're, you know, the Dodgers are like, they're really... Oh, I mean, the beginning, the beginning, I remember 15, 16, 17, they went, you know, to get you Darvish and stuff like that, we were playing very well. I think 16, they got a Rich Hill, I think, for 16, you know, and, and Josh Reddick. Um, so, you see stuff like that happen before and I think 15 it was Chase Upley thing Chase Upley in 15 or 14 15 yeah 15 so you know when you see stuff like that happen it's ecstatic man you get excited 
you know, we start playing even better baseball. And, but on the same time right now, we got to stay focused on who we are and, and hopefully, you know, we make it easier for, you know, for the office to go um, with the pieces that need to be put to, to help us get the promise line. By the way, the last time we talked on Friday, and you said, what are we going to do? We're going to go in and I forget how you phrase it. Hit them or smack them or whatever it is. Basically, you were saying, like, we got to show that we're a good team against yeah, the teams that don't yeah, have a good record. Go out there and, and, yeah, when the team doesn't have a good record, we got to go out there and, you know, don't let them punch, punch us in the face. That's, so, that's what you said. Exactly. Just throw punches right away. You know, that's how I see it. And when I play teams about 500, you know, we got to go out there and do the same thing. You know, just take care of the team, which is not doing great, but then, you know, show up and try to play game by game. And, you know, was that game is a game, but just heading in there, the, the Friday heading in was that like sort of the, the talk in the clubhouse? Uh, I mean, everybody was aware that we played the A's, and everybody know that hey, we got to play with a little bit more sense of urgency. It's just not, you know, know how to deal with the pressure, but also you know, um, play with more urgency and um, like what we did. You know, we did everything right. We moved the runners, we played good defense, we drive the runs in, we walk less hitters, two strikes with three guys away. So we do stuff like that. We're gonna be great. The last thing is the, the dynamic of getting a guy and having the the leadership like the you, JT, these guys, uh, because you see like, like I just talking to Nate Valdi. Like the fact is when he came in 2018, he didn't know anyone. Yeah. You have to find a place to live. You have to like. And so as as if someone came in, like you're like you would probably, especially a pitcher, I would imagine. You're like, yeah, okay, for sure, yeah, yeah. for sure. I'm definitely gonna welcome him. You know, you know, make him feel comfortable. I know what it is. You know, I've been with the Dodgers, I've been with Atlanta, and now with the Red Sox. So I know how that feeling is. You know, but the thing is, my personality is different also too. You know, just get to know people and try to help. And it's different than now. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, it's just for me. It's just try to be be that be that guy, be that leader. You know, welcome them and make them feel comfortable. And that's how we're gonna get them right away. And, we can keep winning ball games. So buying, definitely buying. That's yeah. all right. Next up, Raul Banez, longtime major leaguer, now works in the commissioner's office in baseball, and a very smart guy, very uh, educated in the world of baseball in so many ways, including as a really good player, as a clubhouse leader, as a glue guy. He, believe it or not, he was never traded, but as he's going to point out, he was in rumors, in trade rumors, so he can speak to exactly how that is, and also he can speak to what it's like to get help at the trade deadline. He's part of five postseason runs. I saw Raul, I said, we got to talk to him about this because he is a great great resource when it comes to giving the what's what about being a major league play, player and dealing with the trade deadline. All right. When you think trade deadline, what do you think, Raul? Um, I think about, you know, having teams uh, getting an opportunity to enhance their clubs. There's a lot of excitement and energy in the locker room. You're trying to win, and you're close to winning. Is a huge morale boost when the, t- the club goes out and brings in a piece that can really help you get over the top and, and, uh, and push you into the postseason contention or even go deeper in the postseason. Um, it's really exciting. Can you give me a good example? Of- I mean, we, we, uh, we acquired... Uh, 
Cliff Lee in Philly in, in 2009. I mean, that was a huge morale boost. I remember the guys walking over and saying, hey, you came for the American League. What's that guy like? I said, whatever happens, it happens fast. Because he gets on the mound, quickly comes set, and he's going to come right at you. Uh, and he, he turned out to be, you know, one of the, um, the, one of the best trade uh, deadline acquisitions, I think, in, in amongst the best in history, in the history of the sport. Uh, and then it turns out, what we found out was he could also swing the bat. And, and a huge morale boost in the locker room. I mean, it's not hyperbole. It's not like just a thing that we say, you know, that, oh, hey, look, that team is going to take off. And I give an example of this team right here, Seattle, with Carlos Santana last year. I mean, I think they went 17-4. But So that's a very real thing to say, hey, it shows that the front office actually is behind it, right? Yeah, it, re- it really is. I mean, the, the Carlos Santana trade last year was a, was a huge acquisition for the Mariners. And, yeah, there's, there's something that's really hard to quantify, which is, you know, the chemistry in the locker room and bringing in a veteran presence and a guy who's got a calming presence or or somebody who's uh, talented with ability and injects some youthful energy into a locker room that may need it. So um, there's all of these cool dynamics that, that go into these trades, and it's not just the performance on the field, but the impact in the locker room. Did you have any personal examples of it? Of, 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 of being involved in the trade deadline? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, personally, I was involved in a few trade deadline discussions. Uh, my most memorable was, was 2008. I was going to be a free agent. I was playing in Seattle. We were struggling at the time, and I know I almost got traded to Toronto. My wife was pregnant with our fourth child at the time. So there was all of this stress that's going on. I mean, there it is the player that's being traded. There's a lot of you know, extra stress that's added on going to a new city, having to pack up an apartment, leaving your family behind, all of these, you know, details. So, so um, that, you know, I, I do remember being in that situation. And then at the same time, I remember not getting traded. Um, uh, and, and, you know, you wound up staying here, which is a great thing for me at the time, but you do want to win. You, you know, win. You're, in a, you're, you're in a free agency year or just anytime the name of the game is to win uh, baseball games and getting an opportunity to do that is exciting for a player. Awesome perspective, man. All right, now we know in the here and the now, the Rangers, they are going to be buyers. They've already been buyers. They got Araldus Chapman just the other day. They are in first place in the West, two games up on Houston coming out of the break. Chris Young, first-time GM, making moves, making it clear we are going to be buyers. And why wouldn't you be? I mean, you're in first place. So got two guys with the Rangers that I wanted to talk to. All-Stars, Nathan Avaldi and Marcus Simeon. First guy is going to be Nathan Avaldi. Avaldi was par- obviously part of a trade deadline deal with the Red Sox in 2018. He went from the Rays to the Red Sox, and he gives that sort of perspective of what it's like to go to a new team where you don't know anyone, you want to make a good impression, and you want to fit in, and you want you do not want to derail things, something that was really good that made them be in the position to trade for someone like Gavaldi. Also, he was part of a team last year where they're caught in the middle, and he doesn't get traded. What's that like? So Avaldi now with the Rangers, going to be buyers. He offers a really, really good look into many, many different facets of the trade deadline, having gone through all of these. Here's Evaldi. So, 
you've been on all kinds of different sides of the trade deadline. Um, no, this is different. Yeah, this, hey, we talked about. This I just want you to, it's more of a general, more of a general thing about the feelings that you get when a team adds. And I know, like you know, obviously we we can go back that you weren't traded last year and how that worked out for the Red Sox, whatever. But just the overall feeling that a team has when they add something. I mean, I think especially if you add the right pieces, it can be a huge, you know, a boost for the team. You know, especially uh, you, know, you get a high, high leverage guy. You, know, you get another starting pitcher. You get a guy who's had a great year, and they're going to impact the team immediately. You get real excited about that. Sometimes, you know, you have those trades where you question, but you got to just see how it plays out. Um, you know what I mean? You, most of the time, you just don't want to lose a good clubhouse before. You know, I think those are the toughest ones are the guys that you feel like are impactful to the team, and you trade them away for something else. And I think that's when it becomes a little challenging for the guys to kind of just realize. But again, like, it doesn't matter who it is. They come over there, and they make an impact on the team. They're going to fit in right away, and it's going to be good for the team. That's a great point. Like, the, like and obviously, front offices try to do research and the due diligence, but you don't know. You don't know until they dropped it. Like, Shorber for you guys. See, oh, there's a good fit, but you don't really know until you get there. Yeah, I mean, and even with Schwarber, people forget. You know, he was hurt when we got him. So right. it's like we're picking up a guy who's hurt and kind of question the fact. It's like, well, how bad is his injury and things like that? But you know, Schwarber had a great work ethic, and like you said, he was a great. But you guys don't know that you're like, yeah. we got a guy with yeah. a bad hamstring. <laughs> exactly. And when he came over there, he worked hard. Great teammate. You know, he was there for us as if he had been there for years. And, uh, you know, the impact that he had on the field was a huge team lift. You've all guys already made a move. And, you know, it's like an elite reliever. Mm-hmm. And so now but now it's okay. First of all, does that feel like, okay, here we go. Front office believes in us. Why wouldn't they believe it? But, and, but now it's like, okay, now we know what the path they're going to take. And the next couple of weeks are going to be, like, potentially encouraging. Because that we've already had a dose of encouragement. No, yeah, and, and again, you always want to be like, you always want to feel like you're the team that's going to strike first. And we went out there, we picked up Araldis, and obviously the impact he's had on every team he's been a part of, um, you know, the elite arm that he is coming out of the bullpen, the impact that he has on a team, uh, you know, he brings that intimidation factor. And uh, the bullpen was one of our needs at the beginning of the season. And he's going to impact any, any team that he joins. So for us to go out there and strike first, kind of get him, you know, it shows the shows us that the front office believes in us and believes in the talent that we have in the clubhouse, and they're trying to. Make the team better. And the last thing is, when you were in 2018 and you were the guy, right? You go in. Do you? Do you? I don't want to say walk on eggshells, but do you say, okay, I'm going to have to prove myself. I'm going to have to. You probably know a couple guys, but still, like, and you did prove yourself. But do you have to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to fit in? Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think back on the team. Uh, I don't think I previously played with really any of the guys. Yeah. yeah so I mean, so that's even weirder. Over, yeah. So when I came over there, it's, you know, I didn't really know too many of them, but I had a few guys who would reach out right away and just welcome me. You know what I mean? And uh, fortunately for me, I had two really good starts to begin my tenure over there. So uh, that always helps out when you can start off on a good note. And you know, I felt like I was wanted with the team right away. I mean, obviously, I knew the talent and everything yeah. that we had with the organization and you know the place where we were in and what the main focus was. And was about the World Series. But you had to find a place to live, and you had to like meet new people. And yeah. you know, the I mean, best way to do all that is to throw two eight innings shutouts. Yeah. No, I mean, definitely, like I said, I was very thankful for the outings and stuff that I had. And, uh, I remember just...
just, you know, Sandy Leone being one of the first guys, like, coming down there and catching my bullpens, you know, and for me to have be able to work with the catcher like that, he comes down there right away, gets to know my stuff, you know, already trying to help me out, uh, you know, pitch mixes and things like that, and I think I threw to him my first two starts, so uh, for us to have that impact, it, you know, you create those everlasting friendships and um, the things that we were able to do over there, it's been, you know, that's what you want to do every year. All right, as I said, another Rangers guy that I wanted to talk to, Marcus Simeon. We just talked to him the other day. We're going to talk to him again. Now, Marcus has been traded in the offseason, and he's never been in a postseason. But he's he is a guy that played for the A's, played for some Rangers teams, and always, always, usually a team that are a case where he was going to be on a team that was going to be sellers. Now he's on the Rangers. He is going for the postseason. He, he, he is going to be on a team that's going to be buyers, as we've already documented with the Evaldi conversation. So he gives the perspective of a new guy to this situation who is also has lived his major league life pretty much as a, as a guy that has had to deal with, well, we're going to sell off this guy, we're going to sell off that guy, and we're going we're gonna to make the rich rich, and we're going to make the poor poor. But Marcus Simeon, always good to talk to. Here he is. So obviously, this this as we get through the All Star break, this couple of weeks are a little chaotic. Um, just take me from your experience of what it's been like from from either side of the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, um, no, no, like in your I'd say last year, you know, we kind of were right in the middle. You know, we had talent in the room, but we weren't necessarily at the top of the uh, standings. But we kind of just held our ground. Um, in years, Pat, my early years in Oakland, we traded away some of our you know, veteran leaders, Sonny Gray, um, Sean Doolittle, Ryan Madsen, but got some talent in return, so it's always bittersweet, but you always hope to be in first place no matter what and have your team adding. Um, and that's, it looks like that's where the Rangers are right now. So, from the Oakland side, like you, people are like, you know, okay, this guy's going to get traded, that guy's going to get traded, and then I, I don't know if it's uneasy or just sort of like, this is how it is. I don't, I don't know, like, especially as a younger player, was it like, oh man, this is weird. Well, I think now it's a different time because, uh, you know, the way the playoff, playoff format is, there's a lot more teams that are in it and holding the ground and um, they look at, you know, what prospects are being asked for and maybe it's too expensive at the time. So um, off-season is, you know, a diff- a definitely a trade time as well, but in-season it gets tough now with a lot of teams being in the well, And the last thing is sort of like you said right now, the perception is that, well, you guys all have already sort of traded for someone and gone down that road but is it an excitement and how much how much um, juice does that give you when when you do get a guy like you got Chapman and, and other guys probably be added how much is that like okay the, the front office believes in us let's go yeah it's great I mean you just want to make sure those players that come in feel comfortable right away I think that that's it's a tough thing to switch teams mid-year it's a tough team to you know be a new guy in the beginning of the year too so I can't even imagine uh, I've never been traded in the middle of the year but you know for us we've already made Geraldis feel comfortable and um, we hope to have him at the back end winning games another guy who has been on a lot of teams that have been sellers and now is on a team that is a buyer Whit Merrifield, Whit Merrifield of the Blue Jays. He was dealt last trade deadline going from the Royals to the Blue Jays. So he is a guy who understands that the, the dynamic and the challenges 
that you're, you're going to a good team. You're going to win, but there's more than that. As he says, you listen to Wit talk about the, the, the human side of this. I don't think people, a lot of people factor this in, that when you go from one place to another in the middle of the year, you're uprooting your family, and why a lot of people might not care about that. Well, if it affects your play, then they're going to care about it, and they should care about it anyway, human beings. But he was traded, like I said, last year at the at the trade deadline. Ended up getting his first postseason experience. Now he's with the Blue Jays. They're locked in as we speak in the third spot in the wild card, the American League wild card. So they're in it again, which seem to be buyers. So Whit Merrifield now going to be on a team. that He's not going to be switching team, we think. And he's going to be getting probably some more players, some more help. And, you know, he deserves it. I mean, he's got a great career. And he's getting a chance to win some games. Good for Whit Merrifield. Here he is. It goes two ways, right? I mean, it's, it's being on the, the seller and the buyer. But for a team that needs something, how impactful can it be? And, and also, from the other end, how uneasy can it be if you're going to be a seller? Um, I mean... It's hard to it's hard to talk on that from a player's point of view because um, we a lot of times get treated like basically just pawns in a game or numbers. Uh, there's a lot that goes into into getting traded mid mid season that people don't quite comprehend. I think it's a complete uproot uh, for your family, for yourself, going from a family atmosphere with the team that you've been with for the most of the year to a new team. Um, it, it can be extremely difficult. So um, there's a lot more that goes to it than just the team trying to add a good player. Um, you got to try to find, I guess, the right player that can quickly adapt um, and help your team. And, and a lot of times that does happen. Uh, sometimes it doesn't quite work out. But teams are uh, trying to win, trying to get the best players. And uh, on the other end, you know, I think teams, I think you guys push the oh, this team's not good right now. they got to sell everybody type narrative a little too hard. So, I mean, mean, you're absolutely right about the human element of it. I mean, that's sort of what I was getting at in a way that it can be uneasy. It's an uneasy couple weeks because of it, right? Yeah, for sure. Uneasy couple weeks and um, uncertain couple weeks. And I've been, had my name circulated uh, in the trade deadline for, I don't know, 18, 19, 20, 21, finally ended up getting traded last year. And it's just, it's weird. It's, uh, I don't know, it's a weird time. So uh, it can be a good thing for uh, some players and some organizations. Um, but as far as in here goes, it honestly just creates a bunch of stress. Last thing is, what what's it like? Like when obviously you sort of when that time comes, and you know you like you said you've heard it a long time, and then boom, there it is. Is it what you expected? Is it different? What's that like? Uh, there's a lot of mixed emotions to it. There's uh, no sadness leaving guys that you've gotten to know and gotten close with um, a city that you that you know and um, have played for for a while but at the same time there's excitement going to a team that's in contention going to a team that um, majority of the time is, is pretty certain to go get into the postseason so 
It's what most of us play for, get to the postseason. And it's uh, when you seem to be out of it on a team and then you go to be in a team that's into it, that's, that's a nice, nice juice. All right, thank you. Yeah. Sonny Gray is an interesting guy. I remember back in the day, back, are you talking about 2016, 17, around there, Sonny Gray was always perceived as the guy that good teams were going to poach from the A's. And the A's would say, no, 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 no. We're, we're, we're hanging on to Sonny Gray. We're hanging on to Sonny Gray. Well, finally, years later, finally, at the trade deadline in 2017, he finally traded to the New York Yankees. And Sonny is, if you listen to him, one of the things my takeaways is that how you sort of evolve as a guy who – Maybe can't, uh, maybe really has a hard time handling the rumors and gets nervous about the rumors and feels obligated to, to talk to the front office about the rumors. And then you just go and you go and you go and you sort of learn to deal with a little bit more. The next thing you know, you're traded. So communication with the front office, I think, is a subtle, subtle thing that can go a long, long way. And I think a lot of players, no matter what they're told from the front office, they appreciate it more if the front office doesn't say anything at all. And normally, he would be a trade candidate once again because he's going to be free agent at the the end of the year. But the Twins are only a half game out of the Central, so dig in. He's not going anywhere. He's one of the best pitchers in the American League, and you would think the Twins would go out and get a bat to help out guys like Sonny Gray. Here's Sonny. So you have, I remember <laughs> your name coming up like all the time. All the time, yeah, yeah. I remember it. Uh, to be honest, not an easy spot to be. I know it wasn't for me. Uh, just having, it was like two or two years in a row where your name is just all over it, and then it was again in Cincinnati, your name's just all over the deadline. Uh, so it's a, it's a weird spot to be as as a as a person and as a player and if you can just if you can just keep your family and like okay you know and not like have off social media yeah exactly because that, that's the thing too is you can keep it off because no, no it never plays out the way that does all the, the social media stuff yeah it never you don't you just never you truly never know how it's going to play out people can speculate and do all this but yeah if you can just try and stay I mean I guess the hard thing is just is just for like human beings is like not knowing like not and when it and then when it gets closer and closer and it's like two weeks away or ten days and you're like I don't know where I'll be in ten days you know and, uh, but I think the the best thing is just is just to not try as much as you can not worry about it and to stay off the, the social media stuff especially keep your family off the social media stuff and that's the weird part is is then you always got to ask answer questions about it and then that's and, and then it's just like on day-to-day life like day-to-day conversations it's on the forefront of everyone's mind because then if you stay off social media then the next person's not and then the next person's not so then, then when they come up and see you they're feeling like where are you going where are you going like, i don't know you know so it's, it's all. i remember early on yo this is going back to 2016 17 like david force would be out 
this may be in the offseason. Like, we're not trading Sonny. We're not trading. Yeah. And, and, and that obviously leaks into the season, you know. Yeah. Do you ever, especially early on, do you ever say, go up to the office or see him and say, hey, listen. I did. Yeah. I did. When I was in Oakland, I did. I just went probably like three weeks away from the deadline, and I just went and was like, hey, what's going on? Like, it, just to clear my head a little bit. And uh, and the best thing is they were just upfront and honest saying, like, we don't want to trade you, but at the same time, if a team offers something that we think is good, like that's part of it, and, and you may get traded, this and that, which which is a little, like, you know, it eases your mind because you're like, okay, now I know where I stand, like, we're straight from the mouth, you know, I don't have to, I'm not reading all these things. But good for you for doing it, man. Yeah, no, and, and then good for them for just being honest, yeah. and that was the thing, like, with them just being honest with it, you know, just being just being honest about it, and that was, uh, that's that's the best way to go about it. So now we spin it, you're sort of on the other end of it, right? And you're like, okay, be nice to, let's go. I mean, we hear stories all the time about, like, the teams getting guys. I mean, Carlos Santana, they were seeing Seattle's record, like, after they got him last year. It was crazy. It was like 17-4. And I'm not saying it was all because of Carlos Santana, but still, like... Dynamics change. Dynamics change. And so, like, as you sit here, like, okay, like, this goes. We could use a little a little boost. It, it goes... It, yeah, it happens all the time. Um, I mean, you see it happen all the time. Yeah. So, it's... Uh, but you, have you ever been, like, on that side of it? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I got traded to... I got traded once in the middle of the season, and that was from Oakland to New York. New York was, we were already a really good team. But people were like, yeah, let's go. We get Sony. Yeah. Right, yeah, for sure. Um, and that was, that ended up being a, a fun, good season for us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's exciting. I mean, if you're coming from, like, being, if you're going from a losing team to a winning team, like, that's always a good thing, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> yes, so. Well, you want to win. <laughs> exactly, so. Well, another former Oakland A, I mean, we, we've had a bunch of them here because this is what happens. The A's guys gets traded, or at least they're in rumors to be traded, and that's going to be the case once again. Sean Murphy, catcher for the Atlanta Braves. His world got turned inside out, upside down, when the offseason trade from the A's to the Braves. So now instead of being part of the rumors that would be sending him to a contender, he's actually part of of a contending team and he's waiting to find out who his new teammates i mean the braves don't need a whole lot but they'll get somebody why not you're the best team in baseball let's put a punctuation on this and let's go for it so john murphy is a guy anybody from the a's we keep saying this anybody from the a's is going to be rumored is likely going to be traded eventually that's what happened to john murphy and now sean is in the brave system the system that says, all right, A's, all right, teams that aren't in it, help us win a little bit more and we'll give you some prospects or something. But Sean Murphy gives you that perspective. Here's Sean. You've been on sort of all sides of it and then in terms of like a team that might you know, want to trade and you go into the last couple of weeks of what are we going to do and now you're sitting there like okay you know nothing you guys have to add a lot but still you're sort of wondering you know what little pieces are going to be infused 
it's a weird time, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you, know, you just never know how it's gonna how it's gonna shake out. Just gonna sit there and wait. So we're gonna, be, we're gonna be saying these things, and we just you know whoever walks in the clubhouse, if you know we do make a move or do do something, welcome with open arms and try and you know get them as close as possible. What's your experiences of it? Of it, like am I overstated? Like the anxiety of it? Oh no, no, for sure. Uh, you're not. Yeah. Uh, it's always weird, especially when you know, you might be traded. That's always like you know. It's a life-changing thing. You have to move your family somewhere else, or go somewhere else, and leave your comfort zone. So it's always weird being the new guy walking into a clubhouse. And, uh, so you don't really have any control over it. When's the first time you remember the first time you were ever you ever were in a rumor? Because another part of this is is your friends and family. You know, yeah. Hey, stay off social media. But you know, especially when you're younger, that's a hard thing. I think exactly. uh, No, I got some great advice. So I was never on social media. Uh, I stayed away, but yeah, obviously people in my life were paying attention. Like, do you hear about this? Do you hear about this? Pump breaks? I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, you don't know. They thought I was going to be a bunch of other teams. You know, before the breaks. So, it, it, you know, rumors are just that, it's just speculation. So nothing's official. Too. Is it easier? I mean, like when you're a young player, do you remember the first time you ever were in a rumor? Yeah, last year. Okay. Last year, I think I started seriously being rumors. Yeah. Yeah. As a kid, you're like, oh man, rumors are fun. As, yeah. a, as a guy, you probably aren't that much fun. Yeah, well, from the outside looking in, you're like, oh, you're, you know, moving pieces around. It's kind of a fun game of strategy. When you're on the other end, you're, you know, there's a human element. Where you're like, oh man, this is this could be a huge change. <laughs> one of the most surprising trades at the last year's trade deadline. Well, I mean, it wasn't one of. It was the most surprising. Josh Hader going from the Brewers to the Padres. Two contending teams. Two contending teams making a trade to trade deadline. You just almost never, ever see that. But as he points out, as Hader points out in this conversation, this isn't new. This is a guy who was traded at 19 years old in the 2013 trade deadline. And since then... He's just, he came to grips with it. Now, that was an extreme when the Brewers sent him to San Diego. But, you know, he, he's, he is what it is. And he, you know what? He might be traded again. The Padres, a team that everyone said it was absolutely going to be biased, no question about it. They had obviously invested a ton into this team. Well, you know, they're sitting eight and a half games out of first place and six games out of the wild card. If they don't get off to a really hard start coming out of the all-star break, then you're going to hear Hader's name a whole bunch more. But Josh Hader, I mean, you talk about a guy who was traded early at the deadline, like early, early in his life at the deadline, traded recently his last year at the deadline, has lived that life, can give their perspective, and also give the perspective right now of what that feeling is heading into this trade deadline. So you've been on you know, a few different sides of the class, a lot of guys have. First of all, like, what is the dynamic for you when you let the, with the trade deadline, when you become part of a teal? For me, it's the same thing every, like, as every other day, you know. 
do my work and control what I can control. I can't control the trades or anything like that. So it's hard though. <laughs> for, for who? Me? I don't know. I mean, for you, for me. I mean, I've never been traded. It's pretty easy. Is it? I mean, has it always been that way? Because like, if you're younger, I don't know the first time you had ever been in a trade room. Thirteen. I got. I've been. I got drafted, and a year later, I got traded. So. It's a little bit different in the big leagues, but I'm kind of used to it. You know, you can't you can't do anything to change the outcome of it. So you just go with the flow, and if your name gets called, then got to talk to your dad yesterday. Yeah, hopefully you're able to say peace out to all the guys in the clubhouse, uh, and then move on to the next the next team. I can't control any of this. Uh, by being traded so early, I don't know if that helped. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. But like you said, when you're younger, a lot of guys like get frazzled by it. But having gone through it, by the time you get the last year or whatever, it's like part of the deal. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the business side of the, of the game, right? But. Uh, yeah, it's kind of good. But I think the cool thing about it is, like, you you then get to meet new guys and stuff like that. But yeah, hopefully we're in San Diego for a long time. And, and in terms of, terms of the team now, is it? We I've talked to a lot of guys. We want to put pressure on the front office to keep everything together to to be buyers more than anything. Is that a real thing in terms of going in the last couple of weeks of any trade deadlines? I, I don't handle that that information. Uh, yeah. You know, that's that's not where my lane is. My lane is to go out there and close games and, and be available as much as I can. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really honestly up to the front office on what they see and what they what they think fits, right? I mean, if they if they think selling a few guys and getting you know maybe some prospects or you know buying guys and boosting up, I don't know. You know, I, I think that just comes down to what they think up top and. That's all I can really control. The guys up top have plans on whatever they want to do. You know, if that's me getting traded, that's me getting traded. But if it's not, you know, I believe that we got a good team to do a lot of special things. I think Milwaukee learned its lesson, though. Uh, he said that they're not, they told him they're not selling. I've heard that, too. So, it's a lesson. I mean, I, th I think there's just a lot to it when you go into the chemistry of, of the clubhouse. I think this is where it really starts to, to bring a, a, a team together. And, you know, we're together every single day. So, to be able to have that type of relationship with these guys and honestly be competitive on the field as well. It's like, that's all you can ever ask for. I think the Padres can come back. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we, we, we finished on a good note this uh, this first half. And, you know, honestly, if we look at it as, a, as an OO and fresh start in the second half, play good baseball, take it one day at a time, don't think about the end results, just, you know, be in the moment. We got the team to do it, and you know we got some injuries. Hopefully, we got a few guys coming back. Uh, it's gonna be a big, big key for us. So you know, just take it one day at a time. Do what we can, we know what we can do. Did you figure out what happened in the first half. I mean, you have baseball, man. It's baseball. It's uh, on paper, it's easy to to say that we're gonna score 100 runs every game, but the game of baseball is not an easy game. Um, and you're going to have some ups and downs. It's really what we do with adversity and, and, you know, as a team, collectively, get back to what we know we can do and, you know, 
at the end of the day, play good baseball. I'm sorry, I forgot. What's Andrew's presence been like? Oh, amazing. Bogey, Bogey is uh, he's a competitive person, player at, at top of that. Um, he plays the game hard. He works hard. And as a human being, he's he's amazing. Uh, he always lights you up, no matter what. Like you, you see him, like you're happy. He's happy. Like that's the type of energy you want around uh, in a clubhouse. And you know, just having a human like that on, on a team for that long, like you know, you're getting your investment. He's a leader. hundred percent. Yeah. In Boston, that was one of the things people said. Well, you take that dynamic out of the clubhouse, and obviously, it's been put in your guys' clubhouse, yeah. and it's a real thing. It is. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. All right, finally, we got J.D. Martinez. J.D., uh, obviously, we had him on just the other day, and a very insightful guy, um, has embraced the business of baseball, as he said many, many times. He's talked about how he's bounced around other teams, and he hasn't really, as, even though he spent quite a few years with the Red Sox, he, it wasn't like he was a, a foundation guy that got the big long-term deal and was going to live there for the rest of his life. No, you know, he understands that this is a business. He understood it when he was traded to Arizona, certainly at the trade deadline in 2017. And... In 2018, when it was Red Sox, he was the benefactor of them making the Steve Pierce move, making the Uvalde move, of really helping that team. He understands how important it can be for a contending team that has done so well just to get a little bit of a boost just in the right way. And he lived through the rumors of last year, all the way up until the last minutes of the trade deadline uh, in, la- in 2022. He thought that he was going to be dealt. He wasn't dealt. Even though he's going to be a free agent, he stuck around. And so he understood the roller coaster that came with that week. And that's the type of roller coaster we're going to see with a lot of players. Now he's on the Dodgers team that's probably going to be a buyer. So he's not going to have to worry about being traded. He's having a good year. He was at the All-Star game. That would suggest he's having a good year. So, But understand this. (laughs) <laughs> that J.D. Martinez knows what happens in the weeks leading into the trade deadline more than most. That's why we want to talk. Say it again. Subscribe, rate, review. At BB isn't boring. Producer Evan, outstanding job. I hope everyone enjoyed our, our all-star coverage, all-star festivities, all-star game, futures game, home run derby, all of it. Now, as we said, as you note from this podcast, we are turning our attention trade deadline season all right here's jd what's it like a trade deadline how important is it to when you're in it to get somebody and how what impact can that have on a team um you've been on both sides of it yeah i think it's important um, i think um you know, find out these, what teams are really in it what teams are really going you know are going for it and what teams are kind of just maybe aren't i would say uh, you know, if you go back to our 2018 championship, I mean, Steve Pierce and Nate were arguably the best pickups at the break. You know, they really impacted our us winning that World Series. And Nate, and Nate said he didn't know anyone. But you know what helps you get to know people? When you throw two outings of shutout ball back-to-back, right? Yeah. So you, you guys are probably like, oh, we don't know this guy. But he seems pretty good. Yeah, I remember facing <laughs> him a lot. And then, um, you know, when he came over, it was like, you know, we're happy to get him parked on again. <laughs> so, 
came over is dope. And you were also on the other side of it about a guy being traded, right? I mean, what's that like in terms of being dropped in a clubhouse? Like, do you just sort of keep to yourself and want to prove yourself? Or? Um, I think a little bit of both. Honestly, you know, you feel like you feel that you come in and you're, you're the new guy, but it's also like, hey, these guys are really excited you're here. Like, you're here to help them, and they kind of know that, and they're actually excited to have you, so it's, um, it's actually a very welcoming experience. I remember when I got traded to the Diamondbacks, it was one of those things where I was like, I don't know anybody, I walk in, don't know literally any faces, been in the American League the whole time, the only name I knew at the time was Goldie, and but as soon as I came in, they came right up to me, and they were so welcoming. They were, they were so happy to have you here, and I was like, wow, these guys are really excited I'm here, you know? Uh, so it was great. Matt Strong gave me a perfect analogy of what happened last year. You ready for it? Yeah. He said, felt like you guys were playing for field position, kicked it inside the 10, and then Tom Brady came to the game. <laughs> what? I thought up with that. I don't know, but it was pretty good. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Was, uh, <laughs> All right, whatever he says. Yeah, you, know, you don't like that? I like that. Well, again, this was sort of like we've talked about this already. About We've talked about what it's like to sell, what it's like to buy. And we've also been like what it's like to be in between. Yeah. I mean, we were in between the last two years. Yeah. What was going to happen? Yeah. Well, and do you want to sign a contract with the Dodgers? Yeah, we'd love to. Have you talked to them about the Dodgers about signing a contract? No. In the middle of the season. Because it's not an all-star game without contract talk. Yeah. 